You know, sometimes we get going in our week and, and all of a sudden we, we look back and it's Thursday or Saturday and we realize, man, how, man, where'd the week go and what kind of week was it and uh, where were my eyes fixed, you know, because distractions take us, not, I'm not the only, am I the only one that that happens to? Um, this week was, uh, sometimes I get to Sunday and I feel like I need it as a springboard for the next week because this past week I totally missed God, um, you know, and, uh, and other times it feels like the wrap up of just a great week of time with God. And that, that's, I, I think that's, this past week I had that, I had the opportunity of that. Uh, I actually had less appointments this past week and as a result, actually had more time uh, in God's Word, worshiping Him, listening to some different podcasts and stuff this week. And so, so I, I come in today, and, and for me, this has just been kind of the culmination of, of a, just a good week in Jesus, you know. Uh, the, the cool thing is, is that whether this is a culmination for you or, or a springboard, <laughs> it's still the same day. Uh, so... Um, this past week is done and over and now we get to move forward and, and my hope is that today will be a springboard of worship for you for this week regardless of what happened last week or where if it was a great week let this be a springboard if, if it was a terrible week well they're both done let this week be a, let this be a springboard for a good as as a pastor a lot of times sunday is kind of the last day of the week for me um, and I get trapped in that sometimes because, you know, everything that we're kind of working for and looking at for the week culminates here, you know. And, and, I, and, and I sometimes feel convicted of thinking about this as the last day of the week. Because it should be the first. This should be what gets us going, you know. And uh, I, I love the privilege that we have to be able to come together and worship Jesus as we do. And, and I hope that this week, that today just helps you have a good week thinking about him um so speaking of this week tuesday night we do continue with our pastor chat and so we had our first one uh or asking for a friend two tuesdays ago two tuesdays is that how you say that uh two weeks ago and uh so i hope you got to see that if not it's available online you can go check that out uh but uh, we'll continue that this tuesday seven o'clock you can uh, join us on our website, or it's also on YouTube and Facebook, and so you can check those out, and we will continue to take questions uh, asking for a friend. So if you need to ask a question for a friend, because they're too scared to ask it, um, there's the chat number right there that you can send a text to. We don't do it live. We get them ahead of time and actually prepare. How's that sound? Does that sound fair? Yeah, we like to prepare. So, um, so uh, 706 391 4410, you can ask for a friend if you have any questions about the Bible, theology, or living for Jesus. Uh, those are good things. So, We're continuing our series uh, on compassionate interactions, and this is a look at how Jesus engaged people. Uh, week one, we looked at Andrew, uh, disciple of Jesus, became a disciple of Jesus, and we looked at how Jesus was uh, invested in relationship with Andrew. Uh, last week, we looked at Zacchaeus, and... Um, did it happen to anyone? As soon as I say Zacchaeus, the song starts playing in your head. It happens, doesn't it? There it goes. Man, what have we done to the church? What have we done? Um, 
But we talked about the redemption. Uh, uh, Zacchaeus was a Jew. He was a tax collector. He was hated by his own people. He was wealthy. Uh, <clears throat> Jesus comes to his house. And we see as a result of Jesus coming to, a, uh, coming to his house, we see a man full of repentance. Uh, we see the redemption of Jesus. And we see him respond with generosity. We asked four questions last week. We said, what do we need to repent from today? I think this is a great question we need to ask every day. What do we need to, sometimes you have a great day. You go all through the day, it's a great day, and then you get to the end of the day and Jesus, the Holy Spirit reminds you of something. You're like, oh yeah, that was not good. I need to repent. Uh, what do we need to repent from today? We asked, how are we walking in redemption? You know, Zacchaeus responded in generosity. How are we walking actively in redemption? We asked, are we sharing our Jesus repentance, redemption story with others? Are we sharing that with others consistently? And then do we forgive others? At the end, uh, Zacchaeus and his family are, are, are presented as uh, Abraham's children to the people that were complaining that he was a sinner. And basically Jesus is saying, are you going to forgive him and accept him? And so if you didn't get a chance to see either of the first two episodes uh, or the first two sermons for this uh, Compassion Interactions, I encourage you, you can go listen to them on our podcast. You can go uh, watch them online if you want to. Uh, but this week we're, we're in our third week and we're going to be looking at the Samaritan woman at the well. And we find this in, in John chapter 4, verse 4 through 26. So I encourage you to turn there. And uh, once you get there, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to read these verses for us. So, John 4, I'm going to start in verse 4, and I'm going to read through 26. Speaking about Jesus, it says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman says, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. She said, Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. 
for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Father, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for this story of history, this uh, event that took place that we have recorded here for us to look at today. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to see this story in a new light. Father, let it not just be something that we've heard many times and thought about many times, but let it be something fresh and new that we can apply to our lives today. Father, allow us to be hearers of your word, but even more so, allow us to be doers of your word and take what we see here and put into practice for your kingdom. We ask for your blessings on this time. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Give me a drink. Did you hear me? That's bad, huh? What? You, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan, and a woman. I'm sorry. I should have said please. You know, it's not safe for you to be alone out here. Nor you. Why haven't you come with others? Why so late in the day? Don't women come to the wells in the, the cool of the morning? Yeah, well, none of them will be seen with me, so I have to come at noon in the heat, as you have so kindly reminded me. Why won't they be seen with you? Long story. I'd, I'd still like a drink of water if, if you can spare it. Amazing what a parched throat will do. Aren't I unclean to you? Won't you be defiled by this vessel? Maybe some of my people say that about your women, but I don't. Yeah? And what do you say? I say if you knew who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink. Really? And I would give you living water. Would. Except that you have nothing to draw water with, and this is a deep well. Besides, what do you need from me if you have your own supply of living water? Long story. But Jewish water is better than Samaritan water. Hmm? That's not what I said. Are you a better man than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know Jacob. 
and everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband, then come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. No. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. But it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. But you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. Yeah. Exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank Him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? <laughs> Until the Messiah comes, it explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me. I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you, and it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? 
I am rejected by others. I know. But not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon, just the heart. You promise. I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> hey, wait! Your water! You forgot your um. More than that, right? I, I've watched this probably six or seven times this week, and I still get all teary every time I watch it. Um, if you don't know, this is, this is from the series The Chosen, and if you haven't had opportunities to watch those, I encourage you to watch them. They're, they have two, two seasons out now, and they've done a, a great job. Uh, I felt like I could have I shared the story that we read, but... This did such a much better job, and uh, and, I, and I know it, it kind of expands a little bit and and says some, but I think it really keeps with the heart of what the story is and what we see here in Scripture, and does a great job with it. So we want to look at this woman, this uh, Samaritan woman at the well, and there's three things that stand out, and really three things that stand out to make one point about her. And the first one is this: that she's a Samaritan. She's a Samaritan, and we say, okay, so what's up with that? Uh, Don Stewart, uh, he has a blog on blueletterbible.org. You can check it out. He does a summary of the relationship between the Samaritans and the Jews. He says the Samaritans were a group of people who lived in Samaria. Wow, that was, that's rich right there, right? We're getting deep. Um, it's an area north of Jerusalem. Uh, they were half Jew, half Gentiles. Uh, when Assyria captured the northern kingdom of Israel in 721 BC, uh, some of the uh, folks were taken to, in captivity while some were left behind. The ones that left behind uh, were left behind were intermarried with the Assyrians, and thus these people were neither fully Hebrew nor fully Gentiles. And so the Samaritans had their own unique copy of the first five books of Scripture, as well as their own unique system of worship. Uh, they believed in one place of worship it was the right place where the Jews, you know, had theirs. Uh, at one point in time, they actually had a temple that rivaled the one in Jerusalem, uh, but through some wars and, and things, uh, it, it was uh, burned and, and destroyed. Um, Sakar was a larger town at one point, and, and it had become now, at this point in time, more, more like a village. Uh, at the time of Jesus, the Jews and Samaritans did not deal with one another because they both felt like they were right and the other one was wrong, and, and uh, so they, they didn't get along. Uh, we, know of, we know this is true because Jesus refers to this kind of hatred or this despising of one another when he tells the, the parable of the Good Samaritan, which I, I think, I hope we, we know, if not... Uh, I'd, I'd share it with you. Um, 
But he talks about the Good Samaritan being the hero in this parable of the Good Samaritan. And for those listening, this was very hard for them to hear because the Samaritan could never be the hero in a story. It just isn't possible. Uh, we also see another uh, reference to Samaria and the Samaritans. If you flip over to Luke chapter 9, uh, really quick, verses 51 through 56, and Jesus is traveling and uh, starting verse 51, let me find it. One more page, there we go. Uh, as the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely sets out for Jerusalem. And he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him. But the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. Because if he's heading for Jerusalem, he's a Jewish man. And so we aren't going to welcome him into our place. Verse 54 says, when the disciples James and John saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? That's a strong response. Have you ever left someone's home and asked God if he, if he wanted to do that? Oh, I'm not welcomed here. Let's just uh, send balls of fire down and blow their house up. I, and that's what he's saying. And Jesus turned and rebuked them. Then he and his disciples went to another village. Uh, even the disciples here, followers of Jesus, uh, show how much they uh, hate the Samaritans. They're not going to do what we want, so let's just burn them up and destroy them. They didn't get along well. So the first thing we see about the Samaritan woman at the well is that she's an outsider because of her race and her religion. Does that sound familiar today? It was even going on back then, wasn't it? The second thing we see about her is that she was a woman. She was a woman. What does that mean? Women were not treated as equals. Ladies, if you feel like you're not treated as equals today, even that much more back then. Women had little to no authority. Men held all the power and the authority. All. All of it. Uh, women took care of the home and the things concerning the home. So they actually might have their own business, uh, but it only was there because it was something and, and helped them there in the home, help take care of things. And that's where everything stemmed from. And that was the only place that they could be, and that's where they, uh, everything they did was towards that end. They could not testify in a trial. Uh, they really could not go out in public by themselves. They could not talk to strangers they didn't go to school. Men controlled their wives. Men controlled their daughters. And men did not talk to any other women outside of their wives and daughters. And so, so even this conversation taking place would have been even that much more of a big deal because here's a man talking to a woman. And you can only think what the disciples were thinking when they come walking up because this situation just wasn't supposed to happen. Man talking to a woman. And so she was an outsider because of her gender. Does that sound familiar today? Third thing we see is that she was at the well. So she was at the well. She was at the well at noon. Okay, she was at the well by herself. We've already said she's not supposed to go anywhere by herself. 
That's not what you're supposed to do. And so we see as a result, she's by herself because of her lifestyle, because she's had five husbands, because she's living with another man now, she's most likely been rejected by the other women in the town. They want nothing to do with her. One of the things that I appreciate in this, I appreciate it. Uh, This is the longest conversation Jesus has with another person recorded in Scripture. Okay? Uh, we don't see another conversation that, that, that lasts this long in Scripture. Uh, we also, uh, I, I love, I love, I hate that word. Um, it, it just spans too much. I love pizza. I love my wife. Um, I, I really like, I really enjoy the banter that goes back and forth in this conversation that we see here in Scripture. I mean, this woman really is, she's a bold woman. And, and whether that's because of the lifestyle She's had because of the way men have treated her. I, I don't know what it is, but I mean, she's comfortable enough to kind of, uh, kind of play verbal tennis with Jesus in a sense. She, she keeps sending him back. Um, and it's interesting to me. I, I really enjoy it. But, uh, but one of the things that we see is, you know, her lifestyle has made her an outsider because of her sin. And so she's an outsider because she's a Samaritan. She's an outsider because she's a woman. She's an outsider because of her sin. Jesus had every reason to avoid this woman and not even give her the time of day. She was an outsider in more than one way. And we even think about how the disciples treated the Samaritans. How does Jesus treat her? Jesus actually approaches the outsider, uh, intentionally. You go back to John chapter 4 and look at verse 3, or I'm sorry, verse 4. He says, now he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria. Judea is south of Samaria. If you see, it, uh, if you see a map, you'd see Judea there in the south, Jerusalem there in the south. And so people would travel up to Galilee in the north, and in between them was Samaria, and Samaria would be there. Uh, often, most time, people um, that were traveling between the two would go over onto the west side and travel that way and go around Samaria and avoid it completely. Because I don't even want to go through a place like that. But Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. Jesus intentionally approaches the most unlikely purpose person to specifically share the living water of salvation with them, with her, to show that salvation is for everyone. To show that there are no outsiders, there are, that everyone can be an insider. And he breaks down the racial, the religious, the gender, and the sin barriers that we see with this woman. Jesus ends up staying two days sharing salvation, this living water, with many Samaritans who come to believe. Pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Jesus treats this woman, this person that he had every right in the eyes of the disciples and the culture, uh, treats her with love, treats her with care, treats her with compassion. It's a compassionate interaction. 
I think what stands out to me the most is that Jesus doesn't look down on her or pity her. I don't see that. He, he, he easily could have. Oh, Samaritan. Oh, woman. Oh, five husbands now with another man. Oh, he could have looked down on her. Um, he recognizes their differences. He's, he knows who she is. I mean, how can he not? She, she keeps reminding him who she is. I'm a Samaritan. I'm a woman. What are you doing talking to me? But he, 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 he doesn't ignore the differences. He sees them, but, he, but they don't affect the gift of salvation, the gift of living water that he presents to her. So what do we do? What do we do? Uh, we are very good at living inside of our Christian bubbles. We're very good at it. It's easy, it's comfortable. You know, I, I, I talked about even last week, you think about someone like Zacchaeus and Jesus going and talking to someone like Zacchaeus and he was a wealthy man. He was well-to-do. And uh, I, mean, he's, I mean, you know, he was hated, but he was Jewish and he was well-to-do. And I mean, I, I look around, I think most of us, we think about how good God is. I'd say most of us are considered in this world, we're, we're considered wealthy. We're well-to-do. We have. God has blessed us in many ways. We have. It's easy for us to walk up to someone that's like us and talk to them. And I've said that we need to be more present in our community and we need to look for those places. You know, but sometimes I think, well, maybe at a soccer game with other soccer parents and maybe someone there doesn't know Jesus. And that's easy to do because it's still within our bubble. Here's a person that was completely outside of Jesus' bubble, and he had to go to her. You think it's just by chance that I happen to be here at noon? Do we do that? Do we look for these outsiders, and then do we treat them with just as much respect and honor as we would someone that we're comfortable with and that we know? I, I think about this community. I, uh, I think about, man, um, I look at the college and I look at this town. In a lot of ways, I see two different places. Have you ever just gotten out and driven out on some of these roads around in this county? There are some places that, man, someone lives there. Someone lives there. And yet we come, we, we come back to what we have. This, this community has every kind of person. And, and I, I look at us and I, I kind of see a lot of similarity right here. And there's a lot of other people here and here outside of this. Jesus gives us an example in the story of how he goes to someone outside of that norm. What do we do? What do we do with a story like this? My hope and prayer is that we'll think about this story this week. And that we'll begin to look for outsiders. 
that we'll begin to ask Jesus to show us outsiders. Part of slowing down for me this week was trying to intentionally look for places that God would have me to go and God would have me to be and the people God would have me to see. And I don't want to do it out of pity because, oh, they just have so much less than I am or their life has been so hard or look where they live and look how they dress. I, I need to help them. I, an outsider is just someone that's different. Am I willing to go to them because they're different than I am? They're still someone made in God's image that may not know Jesus. And our response is to go and to share that living water. I've mentioned that I'm an army brat. Sorry if I bring it up too much. If I do, just tell me. Uh, when you live an army brat lifestyle, you move a lot. Averages every three years. Uh, not only are you moving a lot, but guess what your friends are doing? They're moving a lot too. Rarely ever do you move somewhere and get there at the exact same time someone else got there. You spend three years together and then move at the same time. You know, normally you get to know someone and they're gone in a year. Or you're gone in a year. Uh, quite often I was the outsider, new guy coming in. It does not feel good when you're the new guy coming in. I'm thankful though, somewhere around 7th or 8th grade, 12, 13 years old, God showed me that if I felt this way, other people feel this way too. And so I made it a point when I saw someone new coming to school that I'd reach out to them and welcome them in. I'm thankful. I I was not a good enough person to come up with that on my own. (laughs) Thankful that God allowed me to see that. When I was a freshman at TFC, I struggled because I didn't feel like the upperclassmen did a good job necessarily welcoming in the freshman class. They're freshmen. We, I, that's how I felt. As freshmen, I, my friends and I, we, we talked about it. We said, hey, as, as freshmen, we want to welcome in the freshmen each year. And so all the way to my senior year, we, we made a point to reach out and get to know the new class coming in. And, and I think it was evident by the time that uh, we were seniors, if you looked at the group that we kind of hung out with, we had, we had representatives of every single class because we wanted to reach out and help them feel welcome. There's a whole community out here of people that feel like outsiders. And God's called us and shown us by example that we need to be intentional about finding these outsiders, loving them, and bringing them in to his family. I'm gonna ask the worship team to come, and we're gonna close with a song. And again, my hope is that we will be, uh, we'll keep our eyes fixed on this story throughout the week. That we will ask God how we can intentionally reach the outsider. And, And guys, we've gotta remember that God is good And he's good to us. And we are all those things that we sang. We are already insiders. And so please don't think, well, when I feel more like an insider, then I can go to the outsider. We are already insiders. Father, we love you. I thank you for what you did for this Samaritan woman at the well. Now she's just family. Now she's family. Father, help us to see people in our community, in our lives, 
Help us to realize that they're just people that are waiting to become family. And for some reason, you've asked us to be the ones that get to them and invite them into the family. Lord, I pray you'll burden our hearts.